it's, if you open up to the center and you're in Proverbs, you're too far. If you're in Job, you're too far the other way. <laughs> Consult the table of contents. That's what I always say. Anyway, when you find the book of Psalms, turn to um, 139, chapter 139, Psalm 139. We're going to read between verses 13 and 16 in a few minutes. I want to set the stage, though, because today we're continuing, uh, actually concluding a series of three messages that we've uh, uh, titled Mission Possible. It has to do with our mission as a church, Crossroads, and I... um, I don't really apologize, but I acknowledge that this is a bit self-serving because we're talking about ourselves, and that's kind of against one of my cardinal rules because it's not about us. But I just know that um, I don't want to spend one more day of my life just doing church or just doing anything. I want to live my life under assignment I want my life to have eternal consequences. Every minute of my day, I want to spend... There's nothing more... I was just talking to Sheila about... um, And Aldrin, did you go go with her on the rafting trip? Okay. I love whitewater rafting. It's so thrilling and so much fun. But you know what? Even that uh, doesn't hold a candle to... and And this is the honest truth, and you know this. When you find yourself in the midst of serving God and feeling like you're a part of something that has eternal consequences, there's nothing that stirs your heart and your life's passions like that. I, I mean, you, you know, uh, going through those rapids, I forget what's the last one there, and there's a meat grinder or something like that. You guys go through that? Anyway, or toilet bowl or you know, chainsaw. I mean, they have these horrible names. Yeah, right? So... You go through them and you come out the other side and your adrenaline's pumping and you're freezing cold and, you know, all this stuff. And you just, but, but it wears off, right? But serving God is, is just, there's nothing like it. And I just, I don't want to live one more day of my life just settling for, you know, just living. And so part of the, and I've said this now, this will be my third week in saying this, so I hope you're not tired of, of, of me saying it because it won't be the last time you hear me say it that one of the things that uh, Sue and I felt most attracted to Crossroads um, uh, for was that you had a mission and you had a statement of mission. A lot of churches are, you know, unfortunately, even if they have a a statement of of mission somewhere in their, you know, dusty closet, um, a lot of churches, and I don't mean this in a bad way, honest. I, I mean, I, I'm not pointing any fingers. I'm the last person that needs to do that because every time I do, there's like, what do they say, three or four of them pointing back at me? Um, but I just, I, I've been, I'm a lifer in the church, I, and I, so I know this outfit, and I, I just know that there are a lot of congregations that are doing lots of things. There's lots of activity, but very little purpose, very little mission. And I just, I don't want to do that. I've been a part of that too long. I don't want to do that anymore. So uh, part of the reason why we felt led of the Lord to partner with all of you six months ago, almost now, was because I want, I, I, I want to serve the Lord. 
I want to serve him. So we've been talking about Crossroads Mission. And, and uh, I started to say, I don't really apologize, but I acknowledge that this is a bit inward-focused, a bit um, you know, self-centered because we're talking about ourselves. Um, but I don't po- apologize for it because it's something we have to come back to again and again and again. And I don't mean that every you know, other week we're going to talk about this, but I do mean that you're going to hear me uh, in various ways talk about our assignment together, our mission, and it'll happen with some regularity because we just, it's human nature. We talked last week about, uh, I think it was last week, no, the, <laughs> it was two weeks ago, we talked about the gravitational pull towards Pharisaism. Remember that? We talked about the little Pharisee that's inside of all of us and, and how you can just get to this place where it's just religiosity so fast. So we just need to be reminded and every once in a while have someone kick us in the pants so we escape the gravitational pull towards Pharisaism. So five, uh, five and a half months ago when, when um, on my first Sunday as your pastor, we began five weeks of talking about our church's vision, which has to do with what we see ourselves becoming. There's a statement of vision in your, in your bulletin this morning and it says this, it says, we want to be uh, a comfortable place to seek, a dynamic place to worship, a caring place to heal, a vibe, I mean, a solid place to grow, and a joyful place to serve. And that's the picture we think the Lord is painting of this congregation crossroads. We see him and his artistry at work on this canvas, and we get a glimpse of where, what it's going to be at some point. We're not there yet, but, but we're excited about how he is going to help us to become those things. And then mission has to do with, it's all about what we do, our assignment again. And so now that's almost six months since we talked about our vision, I want to talk about our mission. And you can kind of get the hint that over the, the years that we will be in partnership together in this ministry, we will, with some regularity, come to these themes because we don't want to lose sight of why we're doing this. I mean, to me, it's an amazing story. I mean, the fa- I look around and I think there's no way in the world, no way in the world that we would be together in this collection of people. I mean, how would I know you? How would you know me? There's no way in the world I'd ever have anything to do with Joe Snyder <laughs> if it wasn't for the fact that God brought us together. He, he caused our paths to, to, to cross in this way for his purposes. And uh, so we, I come back to this every once in a while just to make sure that we stay on track. So we believe that our, our mission, what God has called us to do, has three parts to it. It has to do with making introductions, has to do with serving as escorts. We've talked about both of those things, and today we're going to conclude by talking about how part of our mission, the third part of our mission, is offering assistance. And um, this is our mission statement. Our mission is to introduce others to the love of Christ. That's number one, making introductions. Two weeks ago, we talked about a, a methodology, a way to to keep in view how we go about just helping people be introduced to the one we love and who loves us so much, Jesus. And we talked about identifying those in the circle of our lives' influence, intercede, beginning to intercede, which means to pray for them, to um, interact with them. All these words start with I, identify, intercede, interact, 
and then invite them to know him. And then we uh, talked about the second aspect of our mission last week, which is to escort them along the path of devotion to him. And I, I, um, uh, I think about someone who, you know, like an usher at a wedding. You know, you come to a wedding and everybody's in their finery and everybody's kind of standing a little straighter and with a little more, more poise. And you come to the door and one of the groomsmen or ushers, depending on how they've arranged things there, to take the arm of a woman and to escort her to, with her um, husband or significant other or whoever she came with to her seat. And we, we want to be the kind of people who are in position and ready and available that the Lord could use us to help people to f- become seated in Him, to be, become um, uh, uh, connected to His family and, and the church and moving forward in their relationship with Him. And then today we're going to talk about the third part of our mission statement, which is to assist them in fulfilling their destinies. I want to ask you to read with me now from Psalm 139, beginning at verse 13. I'll actually read, and you can follow along. These are some of the most precious to me. I mean, you know, all of us have certain passages or verses in the Bible that are especially meaningful um, to uh, us. I should say all of us. I'm hoping all of you do. If you don't, get your nose in this book some more and find some. You need to have some of those words of life tucked away in your heart that, that uh, uh, form the, the foundation you live your life on. Well, anyway, these verses right here are some of the most important to me in uh, my relationship with the Lord, and they talk about destiny. And destiny is, and you won't find that word, by the way, in these verses, but it's, it's the, um, the theme or the subject is destiny. And I think the word destiny has been hijacked or co-opted in a way that really bugs me. Um, It is a divine concept. It's a God word. It's a God thing. But that idea of destiny has been hijacked by New Age thinking, you know, the kind of, ooh, destiny, you know, certain people. And or just, it just really bothers me. And so what has happened is the church has kind of, because there's all this weirdness about destiny, we've sort of diverged from, kind of distanced ourselves from that, when really, what we really need to do is come back and find out what does, the, what does God mean when he's talking about how he has a plan for my life. And so these verses here, to me, are very, very precious in that regard. God is speaking, he says, or excuse me, the psalmist is speaking to God, and he says, for you formed my inward parts. Now, he's not just talking about, you know, your spleen there. He's talking about, he's talking about what may, the, your internal life, what makes you, and, and all of us know that it's, you know, who we are is not, you know, thank God. It's not what's on the outside, at least in my case. I always look in the, I, every day, I look in the mirror and I say, who are you? What, and what have you done with Randy? You know, it's like, it's a good thing. I'm thankful for that. In case you were listening on a recording, my wife just said she loves me, so that's, that's good. Anyway, <laughs> yeah. Um, 
But thank God, our life is not about what the externals. And so the psalmist says, you're the one who created my inner life. You formed who I really am, that person that's down deep inside of me. You covered me in my mother's womb. And the, the word here in the original language is to weave or, it's, or to uh, lay over or to fence in. It's, it's a concept like this. You know, when I'm busy with something that I really am focused on, you know, I, I like to do woodworking. I don't get a, a chance to do a lot of it these days, but I like to, cre- uh, to make furniture and things like that. And, and uh, when I'm really involved in a, in a project, it's almost like I c- I'm hovering over it. I don't want anybody to see it until it's done, and I only want to see it. I want to focus on all the joints and, the, and all of the, the things that I'm, I'm working on. And it's like the picture is, God, you were like that with me. When I was in my mother's womb, you were covering over me and shaping and fashioning me with care, great love and tenderness. I will praise you, for I am fearfully and wonderfully made. Marvelous are your works, and that my soul knows very well. My frame, my bones, is what that that word really means, but... I mean, uh, literally means, but what it really has to do with is the, the framework, my framework, the framework of my life was not hidden from you. In other words, it's not a, I'm not a mystery to you. The way my life was put together was not a chance, not by chance. The things that make me distinct, my framework, the things that make me unique, They weren't hidden from you. When I was made in uh, secret and skillfully wrought in the lowest parts of the earth, and and notice the words over and over, you're going to see in this passage these words, things like made, you made me. There's a purposeness. uh, I mean, purposeness? I don't even know if that's a word. There's a purposefulness about God's work in our lives. He was, we weren't just, you know, cells that happened to come together and, you know, stuff happens. It was a purposefulness about how God oversaw our, our uh, making. Verse 16, your eyes saw my substance being yet unformed. In other words, you saw what I was going to be. Even though I was just, you know, some people would say a blob of cells, an embryo, kind of a you know, unless you look really closely, you're just kind of a nothing. But you saw my substance. You saw what that, that collection of, of tissue and, and cellular mass was going to become. You saw my substance being yet unformed. And in your book, they were all written, the days fashioned for me, when as yet there were none of them. None of them. This to me is so amazing that God was writing. There's a record somewhere, you know. I don't, I mean, it's hard for me to imagine that God actually has a pen and paper. I mean, the one who spoke a word and created everything is, he probably has some other methodology for recording things. But we do have clear, uh, um, a clear uh, instruction here in the word that God has a record of my future. He was writing my future. 
before I had one. In your book, all my days were written. When I didn't have any days, you were writing my days, recording my future. To me, that's just an amazing thing. We're going to talk later in a few minutes. When I say later, not like 2 o'clock this afternoon, but in a few minutes, just in case you were wondering. In a, but in a few minutes, we're going to talk a little bit more about how destiny is not something that uh, is a, you know, an absolute given. In other words, sometimes people's thinking about destiny is that there's nothing I can do one way or the other. It's just going to happen. That's not exactly true. But God was writing my future when I didn't have any, and so any, any future. So anyway, that's to me the, be- the basis for our discussion today, that God has a plan for every person sitting in this room right now, for every child in the classes down the hall, for every person walking the street out here this morning, for your neighbor, the person that you work with, God hovering over them in their mother's womb and fashioning their lives on purpose. And he was recording their future, excited about the substance of their life, what they would become, what they could become in him. And I just think that God has called his church and called this church to get good at helping people fulfill their destiny. Not just come and sit in a seat and listen to a preacher, although I'm really happy when you do that. (laughs) But to get good at cooperating with his plans and helping people realize what he has crafted for them in terms of their destiny. How many of you think that would be a good thing to do? How about the rest of you? (laughs) Oh, man, let's do that. Let's do that together. Let's make ourselves available to God for the purpose of helping each other and all those he would add to our number find their groove. You know what it's like. I mean, there are times, like for most of us anyway, there's like fleeting moments when we feel like we've kind of fallen into our groove and it's like, wow, I love this. And then I just snorted. <laughs> Sorry. And then, <laughs> yeah, we need to discard that. I don't want that to be used for blackmail purposes or anything. So... Anyway, we find, <laughs> I'm, I'm talking seriously here now. <laughs> you know, that reminds me of the time that, I don't know why, but it reminds me of the time we were dedicating a, our church building, and so we had all these, you know, highfalutin people there and everything, and I wore a three-piece suit. It's probably the only time in my life I wore a three-piece suit. And I was up on the platform, and I had, in those days, we didn't have wireless lapel mics, and I had to plug mine in. So I bent over to get the cable to plug in, and my pants ripped (laughs) all the way up the back. I mean, it wasn't just a minor thing. It was the whole thing. It was like, woo, here we go, right? (laughs) And and, uh, (laughs) I didn't know. People could hear it. 
You know, it was that bad. It was like, rip, you know, people could, people could hear it. So it, you know, they didn't know what to do. Somebody, probably my dear loving wife who started it, began to chuckle. And then everybody breaks loose. And the whole thing's roaring with laughter. And I don't know what to do now, you know. It's a, it's a very special occasion. And I, I never, I, I, I instinctively knew I'll never get this back unless... So I just turned around and flashed everybody. I showed them. And then we laughed for a long time, and then we were done, and we could get, get moving on. And So now, anyway, where was I? So I snorted. Okay, so anyway. You know what it's like when you fall into that place, and it's like your groove, and you're like, oh, man, life is, I like this. And then somehow something happens, and you're back to the old grind. And I just, uh, man, I, I just want to get good at helping people to find their groove. And God wants that too. All right. So let's talk some more a little bit about this before we go home. God has designed us for destiny. I don't need to repeat myself. I've already made that point, I think, fairly clear, at least as clear as I can make it. God has designed us for destiny. Here are some of the elements of his design. Some of the things that go into making you who you are for his purposes. Spiritual gifts. Spiritual gifts. How many of you heard of that? Spiritual gifts. There's a lot of things that are said about spiritual gifts. And um, sometimes it can be kind of just sort of a fuzzy notion. And there's some, I think, some odd things that people say about, about spiritual gifts. I don't claim to have um, a bead on anything. Uh, but... but I, I, you know, and, and by that I mean I don't claim, claim to have perfect knowledge about anything having to do with God. There's so much to know about Him. I'm just in pursuit of Him uh, as best as I can. And, but I do have some, um, some things that, are, that I think the Lord has helped me to, to come to understand about spiritual gifts that I hope not today, but at another time to be able to go uh, over with you. And um, I think it can be really helpful in this whole process of finding your groove. Because it doesn't have to be a mystery. And God has gifted each of us in certain ways. And coming to understand a little bit about that um, really helps to focus your life. So spiritual gifts. This is from 1 Corinthians chapter 12, verses 4 through 6. And I'd like to have you read it with me aloud on the count of three. One, two, three. There are diversities of gifts, but the same Spirit. There are differences of ministries, but the same Lord. And there are diversities of activities, but it is the same God who works all in all. Those three verses tell us that there are three types of spiritual gifts. And in reverse order, they are perspective. The Heavenly Father grants to every person born a unique perspective on life. And what I mean by that is it's... How many of you know we don't all come at life from the same angle, right? I mean, you can, I mean the, the gross general, generalization is some people are, you know, cup half empty people. Some people are cup half full people. Some are dog people. Some are cat people. Some are people who tolerate dogs because their wife loves them. You know, <laughs> things like that. But we all kind of come at life from different angles, right? Well, understanding that there's a purpose behind that and kind of getting a little clearer picture about what perspective God has given you on life can really help a lot. 
And uh, like I said, we're not going to be able to spend time on that today, but we will before too long, okay? I promise. And then those verses, verse 5 tells us that there are gifts that, the whole, that Jesus gives to us when we come to know him as our Savior, and they become the passion of our lives. The thing that, that turns us on in terms of serving the Lord, the thing that the, the, uh, the reason, becomes the reason we get up each day. And God wants, I think, for us to, to experience a life filled with passion, a life lived on purpose. And then verse 4 that we read just a few minutes ago tells us about the power, the miraculous uh, gifts that are available to us by His Spirit that help us to be able to do what God has called us to do. And how many of you, you know, none of us qualify to serve God by what we, you know, what we possess in and of ourselves, but there are gifts available from God that help us to do that. Here are some of the other um, elements of His design. Talents and aptitudes, all of us have a varying array of those things. Skills, uh, experience, and what I mean by that is, you know, a lot of us, I mean, some of us more than others, like me, I've been alive now for over 51 years. I've got a lot of life experience behind me. I've been through a lot of stuff. I made a lot of mistakes. did a couple of things right. One of them was to marry her. That scored me some points, I think. <clears throat> and... Um, and those things go into, all of these things go into making you the unique person you are. And God has, has been involved in that. There are experiences. Those are things that have been done to you. Some, some of them are not so good. And yet God weaves all of that into who you are and, and allows it to become part of his purposes for your life and influences things that have um, in, uh, others who have mentored you, influences that have have uh, shaped your life. So these are some of the elements of God's design. This is kind of what I was talking about earlier, that destiny is not a destination. It's not about arriving at some place. And everything in between is just, well, whatever, you know. Um, destiny is a journey. In God's economy, your destiny is about a pathway, a life you will live in partnership with him, hand in hand with him. It's not about the, the, you know, the, the mansion in glory. I mean, certainly that, that's a glorious and wonderful destination that we're all looking hope, you know, forward to. Um, but that's not what destiny about, is about. It's about a life lived in partnership, walking with God. Now, the thing about destiny and this journey that God has called us to partner with him in is that the momentum or your forward movement, uh, even the direction sometimes, uh, is fragile. You can veer off course. You can become distracted. You can run into detours and that you know, take you, and you've, you don't even realize it until, you know, all of a sudden you go, man, where, where have I gotten myself into? And then, you know, and you can, your heart can fill with regret as you look back and you think, oh my gosh, why did I do that? Why did I think that way? Why was I so foolish? And you can begin to come almost, become almost hopeless, like there's no way back. But the amazing thing about God, and 
I mean, there's so many things that are amazing about him. I don't mean to say this is the only one, but this is certainly an amazing thing about God is that almost, I mean, it's, it's like when you come to that realization about how far you veered off course and you begin to understand what it was, the decisions that you make, the things that you allowed to be in your life to distort your thinking or whatever that led you off course. When you begin to realize that and your heart is filled with a repentance, a true repentance to God. And what, what repentance means is a decision not to keep going the way you're going but to turn around and go back. It's almost in that moment that you can, it's like you can step right back on path. It's not like you have to go all the way back to where you're veered off course and then make up all that ground. It's almost like just step over and you're back there. And it's just an amazing thing about the whole process of, con- of conviction, confession, and repentance that, that I don't know how to explain. I've just experienced it enough times that my heart is in awe of God and His forgiveness and his redemption and restorative powers. But momentum is fragile. Um, look at this. This is 2 Timothy chapter 1, verse 6. The Apostle Paul is talking to his protege. This is someone he's poured years and years of his life into training and mentoring and discipling. Timothy, he had left Timothy behind in Ephesus to pastor a church there. And so Paul is writing back to him in the books of First and Second Timothy in this Bible. They are letters from the Apostle Paul to Timothy, encouraging him, helping him to know how to straighten some things out and handle stuff in his life and in the church and all. <clears throat> and in his second letter, he says these words. Read them with me aloud on the count of three. One, two, three. Therefore, I remind you to stir up the gift of God which is in you through the laying on of my hands. And Paul is talking about when it says stir up in the original language, it means fan into flame. Paul is saying, Timothy, Tim, there's something about your gifting. The unique person God created you and made you to be, the destiny that he has your life that you've allowed to fade down to dying embers. How many of us know what that's like? And, and Paul says, Tim, fan it into flame. Get the bellows out. Get that fire roaring again. And the amazing thing that this is the second time that Paul has said, back in, this, he said this, to, wrote this to Timothy in about 67 A.D., in 64 AD, he, you can read it in 1 Timothy, the first letter. He says almost the same thing to him. So in three years' time, if Timothy took his advice the first go-round and fanned into flame, again, that desire to, to, to follow God with passion in his destined purposes and allow the gifts that God had bestowed upon him to begin to direct his life, to get into the groove, in just three years' time, he's veered off course again or allowed that to, to come down into dying embers. And Paul reminds him, fan it into flame, Timmy. We need to be reminded of this quite often, and we need to be a congregation of people that are willing to get into, the, get into it with each other and remind one another, fan into flame. You're gifting. Noel, fan into flame. You're gifting. Don't settle for life outside the groove. 
you know? And to help others who are not yet part of our congregation discover what it is to live life in the group. So momentum is fragile, but we can help each other. And here's some of the ways we can do that. And this is what I think um, forms the kind of specifics of what I believe the Lord wants us to be, get good at in this congregation in this regard. And that is helping others to discover their gifting. And I've already promised you that I'm going to, in in, um, a number of ways, do my part to help uh, lay a a teaching foundation on on what it means to, what the gifts of the Spirit, the gifts of the Father and Son are about, spiritual gifts. But we just want to create and have an environment where people are always kind of learning and discovering more about how God uniquely fashioned their lives. And then to help them to develop in those areas of gifting and, and to grow in that. And then to, to, uh, to have an environment where people are not only learning but practicing the, the whole notion of beginning to focus their life around their understanding of how God uniquely designed them. So they don't waste so much of their life you know, on stuff that, that isn't theirs to do. And, and you never get it, you know, down to, you know, really tight focus, but you could, you know, the Lord has, because the Lord doesn't want us to com- com- be compartmentalized. The Lord doesn't want us to, he wants to be uh, causing us to be, become well-rounded, expansive people that are embracing more and more of what, he, of, of what he's like. But, he does help us to begin to focus the field a little bit, actually quite a bit, so that we can learn more about what's me and what isn't, and I can get in my groove, and then find what it is to fulfill the purposes for which God has called you. And I don't, that's, isn't that, don't you want to do that? I just want to do that so much, and I want to help others do that too. And I believe that that's part of our calling as a congregation to introduce others to the love of Christ, to escort them along the path of devotion to him, and to assist them in fulfilling their destinies. I'm going to ask you to put your things aside and to stand now, and let's pray. I'm going to ask you to bow your head and close your eyes, not because it's a religious thing to do, because I just want you to give the people standing near you a moment of privacy. Because I'm going to ask you a couple of questions. The first question that I'm going to ask is, are you a person who, who has not yet come to a point of decision in your life where you have given your life to Jesus? You have not come to that place where you've crossed from the boundary of doubt in, or crossed the boundary from doubt into faith. Now, if I asked you this morning if you were a child of God, you're not sure what your answer would be, but you'd like to settle that today. If your answer to that question is yes, then I'd like for you to raise your hand right now, and I'm going to pray for you, not singling you out, but... I see you. I see you. Yeah, and more importantly, God sees you. 
And I want to pray for you now. In fact, let's just all pray together, shall we? Let's just uh, hitchhike on my prayer. Why don't you just repeat after me? And let's just make this, uh, let's make this prayer sincerely from each of our hearts. Dear Jesus, I want to settle the issue of my relationship with you. And I want to do that right now. I give you my life. I choose to cross from doubt into faith. I want to leave behind my sin and allow you to begin to, to change me from the inside out. I receive your forgiveness. Thank you. Now I want to ask another question. Are there any of you here today that um, feel like you, your life is not in its groove? And it seems almost like you're just working against the grain or going upstream. Something's not quite right but you want to begin to experience what it is to journey with God in His destined purposes for you, I want to pray for you as well. So if the answer to that question for you is yes, would you raise your hand now and let me pray for you? All right, let's do that. Dear Father, I pray for all of these that have raised their hands who feel like there's just something not quite in sync about their lives particular with how they are living in harmony with the way you've designed them. Lord, I pray that today, right now, would be the beginning of a change in that regard, and that in this moment, there would be something that you uh, accomplish in terms of a reshaping of their thinking, of their motives. I pray that uh, things that have been hidden or blurred or distorted in their understanding of who you are and have made them to be, or things that have not, been, not yet been understood or known, would be revealed. And Lord, that over... Um, uh, over the next, uh, in the next moment and over the next day and week and years to come, that there will be an ever-increasing awareness, a sharpening of the focus of their lives, that they would discover and find themselves living in the stream of your will for their lives. God, I pray this, and, and, and I pray for all of us and for Crossroads, Lord, that you'll help us to become a church that gets good at doing this, about helping people uh, to discover what it is to live their lives out in destiny. And we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. You got a song for us?
Praise God. That, that, uh, ah, that's a great song about I give my life to the potter's hand and, and without preaching another summer sermon, which I could easily do. You know, the Bible just talks about how our lives are like clay that he is shaping and fashioning. The potter is shaping us and we want to just yield and surrender to that way that he is shaping our lives. So let that be the theme uh, uh, that's upon our hearts as we leave here today. Lord, I want to come under the shaping influence of your potter's hands. Amen. Amen. God bless you. Have a great day and a good week. See you next Sunday.